While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. From an that pretty gal to Georgia. We've done a few episodes where we've looked through the paper for interesting articles, but this is going to be a little bit different. In this case, all the newspapers are from out of state. So we're going to see how newspapers in other states viewed Northeast Georgia. And you may not be surprised with what you hear. Our stories are going to be from Banks, Jackson, and Rabin counties. And you can probably imagine how these stories present the residents of that part of Georgia. There'll be some crimes and some silly stuff, so sit back and relax. This one was a lot of fun to put together. This is Moving Through Georgia... Looking through the out-of-state papers. Our first story comes from a newspaper called the Daybook Chicago. This is from 1914. It tells the story of James Adolph Cody, who was born in 1909 on his father's farm in Mount Airy. When he was born, he weighed 12 and a half pounds, which the paper says is normal for Georgia babies. But by the age of five, he weighed 214 pounds. A different paper mentions in the headline that he was eating so much he was creating a famine on the farm where he grew up. At the age of five, he liked to ride horses, well, the stronger horses, and was healthy and strong. He also had some career prospects. The next year, he was going to go traveling with the sideshow. He wouldn't be alone, however. He would travel along with his cousin, who happened to have six fingers on his right hand and seven fingers on the left. Now, this is 1914, people in Illinois talking about people in Georgia, so there might be the occasional comment about improper family relations. However, this article does specifically point out that Joey's mother's father is Joey's father's grandfather. The article says if you can untangle that particular knot, you can get to the root of the problem. Brutal murder in Georgia, a headline from the Roanoke Times from Roanoke, Virginia in 1895. Lily and Laura Moore, sisters, daughters of a farmer in Rabin County, Georgia, were killed yesterday by their cousin, Seymour Keener. Four years ago, Keener fell in love with his cousin, Lily Moore. It says here, for two years, he endeavored to pay her attention, but finally, she made him desist. Ever since then, he had been threatening her life. Apparently, the two young ladies went with some friends to visit a neighbor. Keener saw them pass the house and knew they would be coming back that way, so he took two pistols and a hundred dollars and lay in wait by the side of the road. The two sisters were returning together when Keener jumped out in front of them. Laura tried to throw herself between her sister and Keener, and the gun went off, shooting Laura in the head. He then used the rest of his bullets on Lily. The shooting attracted the attention of neighbors who ran after Keener and captured him. At the time of the article, he was being held in the Clayton County Jail on a charge of murder. Normally, this would be a pretty run-of-the-mill story, but I think it was widely spread throughout a lot of national papers because of the Rabin County and Cousins angle. 
Let's go for just a moment to Banks County. This is a piece in the Gloucester County Democrat. Now, this is from Woodbury, New Jersey. It's short, so I'm going to just read the whole thing. There is a justice of the peace in Banks County, Georgia, who has held his office for eight years and never tried a case, always getting the litigants to compromise. It's a good story, and I've actually discussed that with the Banks Historical Society, and we're doing a little digging trying to get this Justice of the Peace's name. Newspapers at that time had a lot of very short articles like that, and they would find information from pretty much anywhere. And even something like that could make its way all the way to a newspaper in New Jersey. Here's a uh, geological story for us. Now, this is another one I've seen in a lot of papers, but this particular one is from the Jeffersonian Republican in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and talks about something we in Northeast Georgia always have to deal with, and that is volcanoes. The headline is The Volcanic Mountain in Georgia, and it's talking about a volcano in Rabin County. It says the people who live near it sometimes see small lights on it, like burning charcoal, but other times, the whole mountain looks like one mass of fire. Flames have been seen to issue from the fissures of the rocks to the height of 10 feet, and ends with, This mountain is situated in the gold region, and it is somewhat extraordinary to find volcanic matter in such regions. This is a paper called The St. Tammany Farmer, and that's in Covington, Louisiana. There is a blind Baptist preacher in Rabin County, Georgia, who recently finished his 101st year. He is unable to go out of his house, but his congregation gather around his bed every Sunday, and he preaches to them. I actually saw that in about six newspapers, which is Kind of an unusual story to get around, but it's an easy way to fill a paragraph, I guess. The Bonhomme County Independent from Tabor, South Dakota, has a story of deferred justice. The headline reads, Arrested after 32 years, accused as horse thief. It seems that in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 1909, a fellow named Walter Holcomb, who was a farmer and who also was 76 years old, returned to his original home in Rabin County, Georgia, where he was arrested for being a former escaped convict. He once served as sheriff of Rabin County and was arrested for stealing horses. In 1873, he had been convicted and sentenced to 10 years' imprisonment. Four years into his sentence, he escaped and made his way to South Dakota, where he had lived and prospered and raised a family. There was a lot of sympathy for a 76-year-old trying to make good, so a petition was circulated for his release, and eventually he was granted a pardon. Banks County again, and this is a piece in the New York Herald from February 1874. Quote, James Jackson recently died in Banks County, Georgia, aged 115 years. His wife still lives, aged 110 years. What makes this story funny is in that sentence, his wife still lives, still lives is in quotes. Kind of like, you know, this is living. 
The Rawlins Republican, that's a newspaper in Rawlins, Wyoming, is proud to tell its readers about how those crazy folk down in Georgia handle voting. The headline of the article is Voting Down in Georgia, and it talks about an odd custom that prevails in one of the remote and isolated communities of Northeast Georgia, that particular one being Rabin the county that annually produces more illicit whiskey than any other area in the world. In that remote and, as we would assume, unenlightened part of Rabin is a piece of ground known as the Law Grounds. It is on that piece of ground that all cases of law and elections take place, at least in sunny weather. On the day of the presidential election in 1900, at about noon, the writer of the article just happened to pass that piece of ground. Twelve voters were present, all lying on the ground around a hat which served as a ballot box. One of the locals points out that at the end of polling times, they just count the votes in the hat. Okay, let's go to Jackson County for a moment. And this first one is from the Pittsburgh Dispatch. That's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1889. Um, It's a good one, so I'm just going to read it to you directly. A gentleman from Jackson County, Georgia, says he has a saddle horse that has more sense than the average schoolboy. He can ride his horse up to the front gate, hitch him to a post, and go into the front porch and by command make the horse unbuckle the saddle and shake it off, slip the bridle, open the gate with his nose, go into the stable, and close the door. It doesn't say whether he has a yard full of chickens that commit harikari and cut their own heads off when it's time for dinner, but um, I guess if they had more time in the paper, they would have mentioned that too. Okay, we're still in Jackson County, and this is from the Hawking Sentinel in Logan, Ohio, and this is from 1887. This is a doozy. The headline is Twice Hang. Below that, The Thrilling Experiences of a Jackson County, Georgia Man. The story is about N.O. Shellnot, who was actually hanged twice in Jackson County. Now, uh, this didn't happen in a prison or anything. He was in bed in January, and nine men came to his house, knocked on the door, and tied him up hand and foot. They took him to an abandoned church and demanded that he confess. Well, apparently a few nights before, someone had broken into a local store and stolen $104. Someone accused Shellnot of the crime, and These fellas intended to get him to confess so he would be sent to the chain gang. They threw a leather line around his neck, tossed it over a rafter, and pulled him up. Shellnot doesn't know how long he was hanging up. He lost consciousness and came to on the floor of the church. Everyone was standing around him and again asked him to confess. Again, Shellnot swore that he knew nothing about the robbery, so they tied him to a piece of lumber and began whipping him with the piece of leather. They did not get a confession, so they put the line around his neck again and again hung him up. When he came to and again refused to confess, they threatened to throw him down a well and then beat him some more with the leather strap. Eventually, they realized they just were not going to get a confession that night and they took him home. 
The next day, he was formally arrested for the burglary, but he was acquitted at trial. Here's the quote that ends the story. Why, said he, people think that hanging is a most horrible and painful death, but I tell you that it is not. There is no pain about it, and a man can die mighty easy. What does it take to get murdered in Rabin County? Well, according to the St. Paul Daily Globe in St. Paul, Minnesota, in 1888, you can be murdered in Rabin County for wearing store clothes. A fellow named Joseph Hopkins was arrested for the murder of William Thomas. When he was asked why he committed the murder, here is his answer. I'm quoting the murderer here, and notice how the paper goes through the trouble of directly quoting this character so that they can get all those peculiarities of language that come out of Rabin County. Thomas came cavorting up to the church, a-wearin' store clothes. Us boys didn't like to see him taking the shine off us, so we concluded to have a little fun. We axed him, they actually spell axed, A-X-T. We axed him to take a drink, but he was too uppity to do it. My brother then threw a stone at him to see how he would run, and he run sure enough. Then we both run after him, throwing stones after him, thinking it was fun when suddenly he dropped down dead. If we had not been drinking, we would not have done what we did. And it's very important to the paper, as you can see, to point out that they were drinking. My brother is to be hung on the 11th of May, and I am now going to the coal mines for life. I reckon I will get used to it. But I never did like a man what wore store clothes. Okay, I can't believe I almost overlooked this little gem here. This is from the Iron County Register, and that's from Ironton, Missouri. Direct quote here. In Jackson County, Georgia, an angry horse attacked his owner and bit his ear off, afterwards swallowing it. I just want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast that mostly focuses on Northeast Georgia, but we do wander around a little bit. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a positive review or five stars. It really does help. And if you have any questions, comments, or something you'd like to hear on the podcast, movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. Okay, and we're going to wrap this one up with a story about Ruth Elder. According to Wikipedia, Ruth Elder was born in 1902, and she was an aviation pioneer and actress. She once tried to be the first woman to fly across the Atlantic, but she had some mechanical problems and didn't quite make it. However, it was at the time the longest flight ever made by a woman. She traveled around speaking to groups and was even in a few movies. There's an article here from the Washington Times, that's Washington, D.C., in 1928, and the headline is, Ruth Elder is Accused. Miss Elder had been traveling the country. At one point, she came to Atlanta. While in Atlanta, she was served with a warrant by the sheriff of Rabin County. The warrant was based on an indictment brought in by the Rabin County Grand Jury in 1923. 
Ruth was living in Clayton at the time, but had left before the grand jury finalized their decision to bring an indictment. So, what was Ruth Elder being accused of? Well, when she was 17 and married to a school teacher, she once took a buggy ride with a traveling evangelist. The evangelist, whose name was Shuford Jenkins, had been in town for a two-week revival and had become friends with Ruth and her husband. And yes, one day she did take a buggy ride with the evangelist, which she states her husband knew all about. While they were out enjoying the scenery, a local cattleman saw them together and very quickly, stories about the two and their trip began circulating around town. The stories got to the grand jury and she was indicted for a charge of misconduct. Now, as I say, before the warrant could be served, Ruth and her husband moved to Athens and then left the state. She then became rich and famous and married a few other men. But when it was heard that she was coming to Atlanta, the warrant was brought back up and served to her on the train platform in Atlanta. The sheriff was originally going to demand a $500 bond, but eventually let her go. Of course, the case did eventually come up in court, and Ruth Elder's charge of riding unchaperoned in a car with a man was dismissed. I saw this story in a few different papers, none of which pointed out that Rabin County went to a lot of trouble to serve this warrant against Ruth Elder, but there is no mention of any charges against the traveling evangelist who was in the car with her. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.